Hello, and thank you for listening to today's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Pastor Jim England. Today's message continues the series, Jesus' Ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And now, here's Brother Jim. All right, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles. We're looking in the Gospel of Luke this morning. Luke chapter 23. So you want to turn with us, Luke 23. We're looking at one verse today. Change up a little bit from what we've been doing. Uh, still looking in Luke, but doing one verse. Last week we left off, Jesus, uh, Pilate had sent his team to be crucified. So we're picking up today. After the crucifixion, they didn't wait around. If you were sentenced, then uh, that's what took place. So uh, the cross, Jesus would have carried that through town. So verse 26, it says, Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon of Serena, who was coming from the country. And on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. And with that, we're going to pause and have prayer. Lord, would you just bless today as we study your word. Allow your spirit to be able to minister to us to be able to challenge and to help us. I just thank you again for each person that's here. Thank you for the Christmas season. And Lord, I just ask that you can help each of us to be able to truly know what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. And Lord, may it change each of our lives, our attitudes, how we just see things and react to things. And I just pray a special blessing upon each person. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Heard about a man that was talking about buying an aquarium for his, uh, for his daughter. She, she was two. And, and so they bought an aquarium. They went to the store. They got four fish put in that aquarium. While she was over at her, their, her grandparents, one of those fish died. So got that out and Flushed that down the toilet. I don't know if some of you have been there. but uh, So then he's at work one day and the phone rings and his wife said, our daughter, her name was Sarah, she wants to talk to you. And so she tells him, she said, Daddy, one of the fish has died. She said, I, I found it in the, in, the, in the bushes. They put some plastic bushes or shrubbery in the tank and she said, that fish is in the the bushes. She said, Mom and I are going to get it and we're going to go outside and, and have a funeral. And he thought, well, she's experiencing her first loss. He said, but then it's what she said next that just tore me up. And she said, Daddy, can you protect me from those bushes? You know, that's how we like to be as parents. We want to be able to protect. But what we find is it doesn't matter how you go through life, difficulties happen. Now, we don't know, as far as Simon, all about Simon, don't know a lot about him, but we do know this from Mark's gospel. He had a couple of children. Now, we don't know for sure if they were with him or not, but some people have imagined that they were. And Remember that song about watch the lamb? As they come into Jerusalem, that's what it was about. And then Simon is just taken away. 
And it just seems like sometimes you can't take care of your family and be there for them as you would want to be. But you know, the great thing is, Jesus is there for us. Now, as we stop and think about Simon, we ask ourselves this question. Why was Simon, out of all the people there, why was he chosen to carry that cross? Now, some people would say, listen, it's just random. He just happened to be there. It's just a random thing. By the way, some people are going to ask this question. Was it even necessary to have somebody carry the cross? I mean, Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus traveled. He was stout. I mean, why in the world would Jesus need somebody to carry that cross? Well, if you remember, Jesus had been scourged. Pilate was trying to get out of sentencing him. He scourged Jesus. But also going along with being crucified, they did scourge you, beat you. Some people believe that Jesus may have actually been beaten twice from that. And with those whips, you know, they would use those and bloody, open up the skin on your back and sometimes expose organs. And so Jesus had lost a great deal of blood. And then sometimes in the prophecies, we learn, fill in some of the gaps. And so in Isaiah chapter 52, Verse 14, it says, Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage, his body, was marred more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. Jesus was beaten so badly that he did not even look like a human. You wouldn't have recognized him. If you would have saw him the day before and then seen him after he was beaten, you'd say, I don't even know who that is. That's how badly he was beaten. More, see, they had a sign that said he was the king of the Jews. They were trying to teach a lesson. And so he was beaten worse than most. So Jesus had lost so much blood. Some people believe that his lungs had filled up with fluid. Affected his heart. And so in carrying that, he just collapsed. And those soldiers, it came to a point where they realized, see, they were used to being able to curse, to whip and beat people and make them do things that they, they, they didn't think they could. But as they looked at Jesus, they knew he's going to have to have some help. The soldiers had the right and authority to be able to grab somebody and make them carry or do a chore for them for up to a mile. You didn't have to do two miles. Remember on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, if they ask you to do one, go ahead and do two. Well, they had that right, so they could grab anybody. And so Simon was coming into town, and Simon was grabbed. So some people say, you know, it's just a chance. It's just random, just the way it is. But was it just randomly chose by the soldiers? Or was he chosen by God who's sovereign? What's that mean? It means that God is ultimately in control. God grants free will. And everything that happens, it's not that God causes it. But because God is sovereign, he's at work in every situation. See, I believe that God is sovereign. 
He's ultimately in control. And so regardless of what's taking place, God is there working in the midst. You know, I often wonder, as I read through the Gospels, all the people that Jesus come in contact with, those, I mean, there's crowds everywhere, but those that we read about specifically in the Gospels, I wonder what their prayer life was like before they had met Jesus. I wonder what Simon's was like that day. You know, every Jew wanted to come at least once in their life to Jerusalem to attend Passover. Cyrene is in Africa. It's about the 800-mile journey. Now, some believe that maybe he had moved there. We don't know that, but I'm saying, I believe that maybe he had traveled that far. So let's just say he had traveled that far. And maybe he had prayed. He said, Lord, make this special. Make this something that's life-changing. Lord, I don't even know if I'm good enough to enter in Jerusalem. But can I just have a peace? As I see the temple, as I just see things, would you just be at work in my life today? Allow this to be a special moment. And then he's grabbed. He's coming in Jerusalem. He's just about at the gates. And he's grabbed. And he's told, you are going to carry the cross. <laughs> you know, sometimes, especially at Christmas time, we've got our plans. We hate it when we get detoured. Things take place. Sickness. I didn't plan on being sick. There's a loss. There might be a death. I sure didn't plan on this. Things take place to detour us. They grabbed a hold of Simon. This is not what he planned. This is not what he wanted. Lord, I'm sure he was like, Lord, this is not my prayer. Those soldiers, I'll tell you what they were good at. Humiliation. Whoever they were around, they were humiliated. And they probably grabbed Simon. And they probably had some things to say. He was a Jew. They probably just said, it's funny. One Jew carrying another Jew's cross. And they probably looked at him and they probably said something. You know, you're guilty. You're guilty of something. You probably, because of that, you deserve to be carrying this. And they just said things to humiliate. And I'm sure that as Simon looked at that, it's like, this is not what I planned at all. This is not it. But you know what? What we see from this story is, is that God is sovereign. And he's able to work even in our detours, even in our humiliation, to be able to work and bring good in our lives. And we see that here. Now, while we're thinking about Simon, because I think he's an example of God's sovereignty, but there's a couple of things that he really does provide an example for us of. He's a symbol. And so let's just take a moment and just look at see how he symbolically represents all people. Because he does. He, he represents each one of us. You see, when a person was being crucified, they wanted to drive home them as an example. And so that's why they made a person that was being crucified carry their cross. Because they were guilty. And they didn't want other people to repeat the same sins. And so if you were being crucified, you carried your cross because you was guilty. Now it's fitting that Jesus would not have to carry his cross any further. 
Because he was not actually guilty. Instead, we are. Simon was guilty. Simon represents each one of us. Now, it's kind of interesting because in Matthew's gospel, it says in chapter 27, verse 32, telling this same story as they came out, meaning coming out of the city. They were coming out of the gates. It's very significant. You know, in Jerusalem, you did not get crucified inside the city. It was considered a holy city. And so you didn't crucify people inside the city. You went outside of the city. Hebrews 13, 12 says this. Therefore, Jesus, also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Now, I know Jerusalem here it had its problems and so forth, but it was still a symbol of holiness. Now, listen. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 21, where he's talking about the new Jerusalem. He describes it. Unbelievable, beautiful, holy. And then, after he describes it, he adds this. Revelation 21, verse 27. But there shall be by no means enter anything that defiles or causes abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So in the New Jerusalem, nothing unholy comes in. Now listen. Here comes Simon. He's coming to Jerusalem the first time. He's probably excited, probably thinking, you know, I'm not even worthy. And all of a sudden, a soldier grabs him by the arm. You're not going in. You need to carry this cross. You're probably guilty. And what if it was that he named off some sins? And Simon was guilty of those sins. Do you understand? Simon actually represents each of us. We die. We come to the place of heaven. The holy city. Uh -uh. You're not worthy to come in. Nothing unholy can come here. You're guilty. <laughs> you deserve the cross. You, you see that? Simon represents us. Simon carries that cross because he's guilty of sin. Now, the great thing is that as Simon gets to the place of crucifixion, they put cross down and instead of grabbing Simon they put Jesus on the cross he's the substitute he's our substitute Simon actually represents each of us but Simon also not only does he represent each person and that we're all guilty and by the way there is not a person here that couldn't say that you are completely innocent everybody here has committed sin all of us, you're guilty. Simon symbolically also represents disciples. I don't know. We read our verse in verse 26. If you notice, it says when he picked it up, 
they grabbed Simon of Cyrene, who was coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it. And then notice the words, after Jesus. You see, when you become a disciple, you're following Jesus. You're to follow in his footsteps. And so as we look at Simon, we're reminded of what Jesus had said earlier in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 9, in verse 23. In Luke 9, verse 23, he said, If anyone decides to come after me, he must deny himself and then take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, to really to be a disciple, you've got to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus means that you have to make some sacrifices. It's not about you. It's about Him. We like the world to revolve around us. But following Jesus is being a servant. It's not always easy. I think it's the most exciting, most rewarding life you can ever live. But it's not an easy life. Now, you know, I like, I like baseball. I was never good at baseball. But I like it. My brother called me the other day just to ask me some trivia, baseball trivia. And Margaret said, she was listening, and she said, Jim, why do you know that stuff? I was like, I don't know. Back in World War, about the time World War I happened, Bob Feller was pitcher for Cleveland Indians. He had won 23, he was 23 1941. He had already won 107 baseball games, Major League Baseball games, pitched a no-hitter already. But after Wilbur Harbor happened, he joined up. So he served for three or four years in the military. Came back. He pitched three no-hitters afterwards. Won 266 Major League Baseball games. He's a great pitcher. They had an all-century team in 1999. They picked out that team. Bob Feller was still living, and they asked him because he didn't make the team. Some people said, you know, no doubt he should have been on that team. And if he wouldn't have missed those years for the war, some said he would have probably won 80, 100 more games. And he would have been known as one of the greatest pitchers of all time. But he missed those because he was serving the country. So somebody asked Bob Feller, they said, do you regret serving in the military and serving your nation? And Bob Feller said, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. But serving my country was not one of them. And I am glad that I was able to make that sacrifice. Well, you know what? When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, and you know that you've been forgiven, and you know that what heaven awaits you, making a sacrifice for Christ is not a regret. It's an honor and a privilege. And so Simon, being able to carry this cross, it may not have felt like it at the time, but looking back, it would be an honor to take up the cross and to follow Jesus Christ. Now, I believe it was a life-changing moment. Did Simon actually become a Christian? Well, we don't know much about Simon, for sure. But I think at the cross, you see, when he was asked to pick it up, 
Jesus addressed those that were weeping. You can read that in the next few verses there. He addressed those ladies. He said, don't be weeping for me. He was concerned about them. And as Simon, as they got there, Simon would hear Jesus so beat up and bloodied. But he would, he would hear Jesus talk about forgiveness. He would hear cursing and all kinds of stuff, but not from Jesus. Somehow or another, there was love coming from him. There was something different. And as Simon would stay in Jerusalem, he would hear three days later that this man rose again. So Simon, did he become a Christian? I think he knew there was something special happened that day. You know, Blaise Pascal, he lived in the 1600s. He was a scientist, and in his day, he was probably the scientist. You know, he's, he's the one that invented the barometer. Blaise Pascal was a smart man. He'd become a Christian. But you know why he became a Christian? It wasn't that he studied scientific evidence and said, that's going to lead me to Christ. It didn't. Blaise Pascal was on a carriage, on a bridge that was suspended. and It was a life and death situation. He thought he might die. And as he was there, thinking about death, he thought of his sister. His sister was a Christian. And his sister had a peace that he didn't have. There was something about her that was different. She had integrity. She was real. And all of that's all he could think of. And it was thinking of his sister. In that life and death situation. That desire for peace that led him to Christ. Simon had come to Jerusalem looking for peace, looking for God, looking for a life-changing moment, and he found Jesus. I think he was different. Now, it's interesting, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 10, there you have... Pentecost taking place. You remember Peter preached a sermon at Pentecost. And in verse 10, he lists all the different people that were there. And they were people from Cyrene that were in attendance. Now, it doesn't list who they were, but they were people from Cyrene that were in attendance there that day. Is it possible that Simon could have been there? It could be. I don't know. But it's possible. I just want to point that out. In Acts chapter 11, in verse 20 and 21, something special begins happening around Antioch. And there we read that some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene who had come down to Antioch and they spoke to the Hellenists preaching the Lord Jesus and the Lord was with them with a great number and they believed and turned to the Lord. Now I would not be surprised at all if right here, part of this group is Simon. And because of that, people that weren't Jews from every nationality began to be saved. And Antioch became a strong church. So you know what happens after this? The Bible tells us that they sent Barnabas down there to help them to do some investigation. Barnabas goes down there and said, man, these people, they've been genuinely saved. And he goes and gets the Apostle Paul and brings Paul in. And Paul is there at Antioch for a while teaching. 
Now, in the book of Mark, I mentioned Mark earlier. Mark mentions about Simon, just like it is here in Luke chapter 23, verse 26. Well, in Mark, it's Mark chapter 15, verse 21. And in Mark 15, 21, Mark, who, by the way, is writing to people that live in Rome, Mark said this, they compelled a certain man named Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now, he throws that in as if everybody knows who Alexander and Rufus is. We don't know who they are. But apparently, the people in Rome, the church at Rome, they knew exactly who Alexander and Rufus are. He said, their dad is Simon. So apparently, they have become big in the church. The Apostle Paul, he'd never been to Rome, but he wrote a letter to the Romans. And so in chapter 16, verse 13, Paul's listing all these people. And then he says this, greet Rufus. There's not many people named Rufus. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Now, this is not Paul's actual mother. Here's a lady that treated Paul with hospitality. So where did Paul come in contact with Rufus, Simon's family? Where did he come in contact with them? Well, he stayed some time in Corinth. He stayed some time at Ephesus. But you know what? Paul was there at Antioch. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Paul had stayed at Simon's house with Rufus, which means this. Simon had become a Christian. Simon had gone to work in the church. And Simon's children were known by the church of Rome. Simon's children become leaders within the church. God had made a change. I tell you all this to tell you. Christmas time. It's a time where God works in a life-changing way. And if He's changed your life, You'll want him to change your family and your children. Simon was concerned about his family. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You remember when I started off, I was telling you about the fellow that had the aquarium. And this little girl said, Daddy, she had found the fish in the bushes. She said, can you protect me from those bushes? The only way you can protect anybody from death and sickness is through Jesus Christ. Simon had found Christ. He had found the one that could change his life. You know, as he was going in Jerusalem, wondering if he was worthy, and the soldier said, you can't go in there. It was almost like, I'm not worthy. I need you to carry this cross. You're guilty. Simon, in doing so, had found the one that could take his place and forgive him of his sin. He found the one that could actually help protect his family. He found the one that could change his name, his life. You know what it said in the book of Revelation? The only way you can enter the holy city is if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. How do you get in the Lamb's book of life? Well, the Lamb's book of life 
is those whose names have been written because they have given their life to Jesus Christ. Some say, I believe it was written in red because of his shed blood. It's the people who've been forgiven of their sins. Simon had found Christ. There, he had literally been to Calvary. Simon's children. I don't know if they made that trip with him or not. But it made such an impact upon him. They were impacted. And their lives were different. Because Simon was so different. Christmas can be a great time. It can be a harsh time. But the message of Christmas. It rings true regardless. And it's the message we need to hear. Let me ask you something. Today, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If something was to happen, you find yourself at judgment. Would they say, oh, you're not holy enough to come in here. The only people that can come in here are those that's been made holy through Jesus. Through his shed blood whose names are now written in the Lamb's book of life. Would that include you? Let me ask you something. Would that include your children? The people that you love. If not, it could be that out of all the gifts that you give people, help them to know Christ is the greatest. And today you might want to come and spend time on the altar praying for those individuals. Let's take a moment. Let's have prayer together today, okay? Lord, thank you so much for allowing us to be able to come and to gather today. May your Holy Spirit just be able to have a freedom to move. Lord, I just ask that each person here could be able to have that assurance, the real peace of Christmas, that Jesus Christ lives with them, that they've been forgiven. Lord, if somebody's here that does it, May you help that person today to be able to confess their sin, turn from it, say, Lord, I want to leave this with you. Seek his forgiveness. And then today, to give their heart to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I want to follow you. I give my life to you. And to do so by faith. Lord, I know that you're willing to be able to save any person that's here. I just ask that each one can have that peace. Lord, help us to be concerned about others. And so, Lord, help us to take time as Christians to pray. May your will be done today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Pastor Jim England. If you missed a sermon or would like to re-listen to a message, you can find Brother Jim on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Google, and Apple under Stony Point Podcast with Jim England. God bless you.